Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast, and we are joined by former NRL and Super League player. He played for a few teams. He started out at the Broncos. He made his, a name for himself at the New Zealand Warriors, even playing in that uh, ill-fated, you could say-ish, 2002 Grand Final. And he also played for Catalyst Dragons. His name is Justin Murphy. Thank you very much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Gold Coast Trading Cards. They are an authorized TLA trading card dealer and they are the NRL collector's choice. From box breaks to individual cards, they sell thousands of them from the 1960s up until recent 2020s and into the future 2021s coming out next year. Be sure to get all of your NRL trading card needs at Gold Coast Trading Cards. Thanks a lot for having me on here. I look forward to talking about some footy. Oh, and honestly, it's going to be a ripper. Um, so, I mean, I guess let's get started. Your junior days, uh, you were born in New South Wales, but you grew up in Toowoomba area. What was that like? Yeah, well, in the younger days, I uh, was born in Sydney. Obviously, my father played for North Sydney in the late 70s. So um, I was born in Sydney and then we moved around a little bit throughout New South Wales. And I, I uh, started playing footy in Narrabri. And then oh, wow. Board, Talk about country in, footy. Uh, then went to boarding school in Lismore for two years as a 12-year-old. So I went to St. John's College Woodlawn, mm-hmm. who had a lot of good rugby league players come out of that school. So... And then um, in grade nine, the family moved to Queensland. So then I uh, went to Toowoomba mm-hmm. and went to another good good uh, rugby league school at St Mary's in Toowoomba where Jonathan Thurston's one of the former students there. So oh, wow. Good rugby wow. league school. Yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously you came through the Broncos juniors, but um, I'm not, I may be wrong in, in assuming this based off what I've read. You didn't get a first grade game with the Broncos, or maybe I'm wrong and you did. What was the go with the juniors there? No, no I didn't play first grade at the Broncos. Um, something I, Broncos was the team that I was going for, and it mm-hmm. was a good, very good year at Broncos. And when I arrived there, they had Alan Langer, Kevy Walters, Renolf, Lockyer was coming oh, through. Goosebumps. Um, Wendell, <laughs> Wendell, Wendell Saylor was on the wing. Michael Hancock, Willie Kahn was still there. Oh, wow. And then Lazarus, Webke, Pedro Sivanaseva. So they had a lot of good players. a stacked so team, yeah. It was a very good time to come into and to learn. But obviously, it was difficult to get a run at the Broncos because they had so many talented players. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I did go there for three years and spent three years in there. Because even system. just in the system, yeah, would have really benefited your game. Yeah, d- definitely. It just made me work together. And I was lucky too. I had two of the two of my close friends I played club footy in Toowoomba and went to school with. They also went to the Broncos at the same oh, wow. time. So there was three of us from our grade that we come through together and Went there the same time, so it was a good good to- time to um and great experience, learning experience. And then I was lucky enough to um Ben Walker was a couple of grades above a couple of years older than me at school. He was our school captain at St Mary's, and Shane Walker was in my grade, so we grew up playing footy boys. together. Yeah. And then um yeah, their father coached me in under fourteen. Gary, when I first yep. went to Toowoomba as well, so. And then when I went to Broncos, Ben looked after us. He was a bit older, so he looked after Shane and I. We lived together, and so it was wow. a good learning curve, and they really looked after me. So Now, that's awesome. And you got your first taste of first-grade NRL Rugby League with the Canterbury Bulldogs. First of all, what was it like going from the Broncos system down to a club in New South Wales, and then, you know, such as a club like the Bulldogs, what was it like down there? 
Yeah, it was um, tough. I loved it at Broncos. I had made really good friends there, and I was, I was, um, I wanted to stay and play first grade at the Broncos, but obviously my path was a bit blocked there, and I could have stayed there at, for a bit longer, probably at the Broncos, but I just thought I'd have more of an opportunity at the Bulldogs. And when I'd sign with the Bulldogs, it was the end of, um, or halfway through '98. Yep. And then they, that, they weren't looking too good. And then they got on a really good run and ended up making the grand final that year as well <laughs> yep. against the Broncos. So. Yep. But um, I ended up signing with the Bulldogs because my brother who was at school in Toowoomba, he also signed with the Bulldogs as well. So he oh, wanted wow, to go okay. to the Bulldogs. Yep. So I thought, well, he's going to the Bulldogs. He was young. I wanted to go and sort of look after him. And he's three years younger than I am. So I thought I'd been around and... It would be a good opportunity for me to go somewhere, but also to look after him as well. Yeah. So we went yeah. together to the Bulldogs. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, well, what was it like, you know, getting your first grade, first ever game and, you know, in the NRL? Yeah, the, it was it was a dream come true. So everyone playing rugby league, they want to play rugby league in, in the NRL. Or My dream was to play in the Winfield Cup yep. back then. And I... Yep. I um, I was a rugby league tragic. I knew all the players. I knew all the all the people. I followed them. Had all the footy cards. What my, team did you follow as a kid? I, I liked uh, Parramatta as a okay. kid. No, I had North Sydney and then Parramatta North because Dad played there. But I liked Parramatta, and I think probably because they were the best team coming through when when oh, I was that were. age. Yeah, they would have been my, stacked in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, my f- first memory of watching a game was the eighty six grand final. I remember I had a Parramatta. Pillow and, and uh, quilt sit out there, yep. watching the whole grand final, and that's the first real r- rugby league grand final. I remember watching, like really so. remembering and watching. Wow, yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And what about your brother? What team did he follow? He loved North Sydney. He stuck solid with North Sydney all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, bring back the Bears, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right. So then, after your time at the Bulldogs, because uh, that came to you could say a, a bit of an abrupt end, you had jetted off to the Warriors, a new country, and they they quickly adopted you as one of their own. You were there for a fair few years. What was it like in the culture and just everything in general at the Warriors at the time? The next Warriors home game is this Friday night, the nineteenth of March at six PM Central Coast Stadium. It is also eight PM New Zealand Standard Time. They're going up against the Newcastle Knights. Now, if you can get to the game, be sure for the best Warriors Australian fan base experience, hit up Warrior Nation on Facebook and they will help sort you out to sit in the Warrior Nation base for that honestly wicked game that's up that's upcoming. It's going to be so good. Be sure to head to round two. If you can't, it's going to be available on KO and Foxtel. It definitely it was a great experience. The culture of a new country living there and how friendly the people were of New Zealand. And they did really em- embrace the Australian guys that come and played for the Warriors as well. So they made it a lot easier for us there. And it's a, it's a, the time I spent in Auckland was a very fond time. I look back at now and again, I was lucky I got coached by Daniel Anderson and he, oh, he um, what a weapon of a coach. Yeah, he was individually he put a lot of time individually into the skill skills of his players. So I was lucky to come through with him there. And then um yeah, a lot of good players there. And it was a bit funny at the start of the 2001 season, a lot of the players had left and the ownership had changed and mm-hmm. they sort of called us the replacements to start with, and then <laughs> We had guys like Clinton Torpy, Ali, Stacey. They were uh, going really well, and they led us to the finals for the first time in the Warriors' history. We made the finals. So I remember Eric. What was that like? Yeah, it was good. Um, 
we had the objective. Eric Watson sat us down in a meeting and took us to a hotel and told us that he said, oh, make the, he said, this year we'll go on all right. We started the season well and his objective was make the fucking 80, told us. So <laughs> uh, after that, um, every game, he'd, he'd give us a bit of an incentive um, into our end of season trip fund. So every game we'd win and the, yeah, uh, and he'd give you a bit of a spray end. if you lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, we ended up playing Melbourne Storm and we drew with them in 2001. Ended up being a draw, but that draw, um, mate, it, uh, we made the finals with that draw. So we w- were a bit un- a down after the game because we, it was a draw, wasn't a win, and we probably should have won the game. But mm. uh, th- then we were celebrating like we'd made the finals. It was a draw and we'd made the finals, so it was yeah. good. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, and then obviously grand final week slash grand final day 2002. I've spoken to a few of the O2 Warriors players, such as Mark Tukey, um and, and Torpy himself, and they all said, you know, it's such a whirlwind. You know, the week you really, like, you forget it because because it's just so quick. What was it like for you as an individual on grand final week with the Warriors? Yeah, definitely it was quick. Um, we didn't, I can't remember tra- training much of the week. I remember the last one at the um, stadium with Billy Idol playing there. Oh, wow. A couple of the boys were chucking the footy around with him. And <laughs> it was, uh, but uh, yeah, the week, the whole week was really quick. Quick. It, it was really enjoyable, though, the whole experience of it. It was massive. Obviously, getting back to New Zealand and the people there were, at the airport when we arrived back there, that oh. it was just enormous and the support that we got was good. And then we come back to Australia straight away. And I was lucky enough, my whole family had flown down mm-hmm. and we were staying at the our hotels at Coogee, right in the Roosters. Oh, yeah. And then yep. um, <laughs> so my family had come down from Queensland and they um, were staying at the Coogee Bay Hotel. So they yep. had a room up there. So just to get away a bit and relax a bit, I could just walk down there and starve the family. So I think, that helped me out a bit as well, just to keep my head off playing in the grand final the whole week as well. But yeah, well, it was there's some great play- experience. Yeah, because as they say, there's some players that you know they play the game over a thousand times over in their head that week. Did you not end up having that happen to you? Luckily, no. I, I was lucky. I had uh, Kevin Campion was in the t- team too, and uh-huh. he had a yep. lot of experience. So he he talked to me early on about what to expect and how to handle it, and he really helped us in that that way as well. And then having the family there really just it helped take their mind off it. And we knew what we were there for, but it just it helped, helped uh, ease into the week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And that um, fabled, I think it was on the bus or it was at halftime, the video that um, I think it was Daniel Anderson or the CEO or someone or the owner even had put together. And it was like the Warriors had won the grand final. Um, in hindsight, it's, you know, he he was doing it to try and give you guys a boost. What was the team's reaction and your personal reaction sort of vibe yeah. once you saw that? I remember listening to it. Um, it was I think it was on the bus going to the Grand Rock. Yeah, can't really remember if it was halftime. I th- thought it was at the bus going to the Grand, but I remember listening to it and it was Warriors playing against the Broncos and all. <laughs> they had the commentators commentating the match and the way it was going. And yeah, just I think, it was, tr- it was there to motivate to try and get us going and have that me- mental mental and the vision of us winning a grand final, getting there, having that um, positive mm. impact. But just, a, I think a, it was probably a – we still had a few old old school guys there and a few guys 
they didn't really need that sort of motivation for it yeah, at all. So it, it just changed that. it around because we weren't used to it as well. I think. It sort of threw the old guys off a little bit, do you reckon? Yeah, if, if we were used to it, if we'd been doing it probably all year and we were doing it, yeah, do it, doing it um, continuously, and we were prepared for it. I think it would have helped us a bit more, but just to yeah, I don't think we we're prepared. I think yeah, it was just to try and mentally mentally prepare us more. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it didn't didn't work out. <laughs> well, um, can you imagine if it did though? Yeah, like, I know. Wow. Yeah. wow. Everyone would have been the same. What a genius. What about this this motivational tactic and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> every coach would be doing it every year. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow. So. Um you jetted off after your time with the Warriors in two thousand and four, headed over to Witness Vikings over in the <laughs> Super League. Again, a whole nother country and a whole you could say different style of rugby league. What was it like? Yeah, I think I've looked back in my career again. A, a different. I'd never been to England before. When I went to live in New Zealand, it was a really challenging experience because I was out of my comfort zone. I didn't have family. I, I was there by myself. I didn't mm-hmm. have friends around. So I enjoyed the ch- challenge of going there, and then um, it motivated me to try and do better. And I didn't have as many distractions. I could just focus on what I wanted to do. And the same in England. When I went there, I got an opportunity to play for Witness. Yep. Um, I went there for a holiday to start with at the end of the 2004 season. And then yep. I got a phone call and um, witness were in a relegation battle in England. They, they've got the uh, relegation. If you come last, yep. you get sent down to the, to the division below. League. Yep. Yeah. So I ended up um, signing with Wit- witness and um, played five games there. And I think the first two games we we won, so it sort oh, of lifted wow. us. And we and the the second game was against Wigan, and that Wigan had a really hot side with um they had um Andy Farrell was playing, they had um Brett Dallas, Adrian Lamb, Chris oh. Redlinski, Gary Conley was playing, wow. and oh, Terry O'Connor <laughs> front rower. They they had yep. a really red hot side, and we beat them at Witness, so that was a memorable game. And yeah, wow. Especially for me coming from Australia, w- Wigan was a team I always looked up. But too because I used to get up early in the morning to watch them play at Wembley and in the yep. big games. So playing against Wigan, it was a bit of a dream. And to win against them and the quality of players that they had in that side was a great experience. But then, um, yeah, so Witness ended up not getting relegated that year, but I'd already um, agreed to come to France. Which, again, a whole se- other country, same league, yeah. though. But uh, again, not, you've been in quite a few countries with your career. But, what was it like? And what is yeah, well, it like? For- <laughs> France was great. It was summer. I'd, I'd always wanted to come to France and, and to play rugby league. I thought I'd rather come to France than in England because I thought the countryside, I'd watch the Tour de France all the time every year. I'd get up mm-hmm. and watch it. And it really uh, put in my head that I wanted to come to France and live in France and experience a different culture where I couldn't speak the language at all. So I thought that, oh. that would challenge me again. Yeah. Can you speak, so, um, can you speak it now? now I can now, yeah. That's good. So I've learned it now over the years. My wife's French, obviously. My kids speak English and French, so they, the kids all help me out. But yeah, I'm still trying to improve my French. French. Yeah. So wow. And but, um, while you were there playing with them, you had quite the interesting injury. Um, yes. You literally ran out of a really short angle because to anyone who's listening and or watching this, I will be playing the replay footage of it down in the <laughs> in the bottom of the thing so they can see what we're talking about. Um, over in England and the Super League, it's very short in goals and you basically just couldn't put your brakes on and just went into the stands. What, oh, was, well, what was it like? 
I was looking, um, Stacey Jones had put up a kick and Stacey's one of the best kickers in the world. And I thought, oh, here I am. I'm going to score a try off his kick here. I'm going to yep. go for this. And I was going flat out and just looking at the ball. I wasn't looking at the barrier or the field. I was looking where the ball was. And then at the last minute, like you said, the uh, in goal is really small. We're playing at Wigan. Yep. It's a soccer field. Uh-huh. And then, um, so the last minute I was going, I was close to the kick and then Pat Richards was there with oh. me a little bit. So. Yep. I've looked at the barrier and it was coming up very quickly and I thought, oh, yeah. geez, I'm in a bit of trouble here. So I tried to jump it and as I was too close to it. So as I've jumped, it's clipped, clipped my um, top of my knee and then I've just tumbled in, tumbled into the grandstand, head first into the concrete, into the stairs. And, yeah, I, I knew that um, when I was jumping, I thought, oh, geez, I'm in trouble. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just rolled and I, luckily my head hit first, but it didn't luckily, hurt me. Luckily, oh, wow. Oh. My, my neck and head, it rolls over into the concrete and then I, my back hits the uh, stairs as well and I broke three ribs. Shit. So I had three ribs and I didn't know, I didn't know at that time. I thought, oh, yeah, well, I'm good because my head's all right. I'm yeah, just a, bit of right. A, just a bit of a walk it off sort just of thing. A, just a bit of a bump in the back, I thought it was. So I yep. went back out there and I played the whole game and then um, yeah, after, the game, after the game, the uh, – I was feeling sick. Normally I'd like to go down and have a beer with the boys after a game at the hotel. And I didn't feel like a beer that day. I just went straight to the room and slept and I was in a bit of pain. And during the night I uh, had to go and get the doctor and I was in a fair bit of pain. And and I ended up having the, I think it was three or four broken ribs and really badly bruised kidneys, which was the main thing, the organs inside. So eventually when I got back to France and we had the scans and everything, they said, oh, you're very lucky. If you got hit there again, it could have been uh, fatal. You could, could have probably died if you so got if hit in the same place again. if you'd have even taken a tackle in the wrong spot of your body the rest of that game, something could have happened. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. Sorry to bring it's, that up, but that's so intense. <laughs> to... It's funny, my kids don't like watching it now. Even <laughs> So when my kids watch it, they get a bit upset watching it, but it mm. doesn't mind me now. It's had a, it's it's had like, a lot of runs now and I'm used yeah. to it. So, but. But the interest that that week, I got calls from America, TV shows in America, and everything after that, asking about that. Yeah. So. Wow, that's because it's so like. Well, first of all, it's very unheard of, but it's yeah, it's, it's crazy to think you know because, like you said, watching the watching it, you know, you you do take quite a fall. You get straight back up. Just looking at it, you know, you'd think, oh, he's all right, he's all good, because he gets back up and goes back on the field. But yeah. the day after, wow. Um, and then obviously you ended up finishing your career at Catalans. Um, what was it like in general, wrapping up your rugby league career portion of this episode of of the chat, um, as a whole, uh, brain fighting hard. Let's try that again. (laughs) Looking back on the career part of this chat, um, you know, Catalans, Witness, Warriors, Bulldogs, and even the Broncos. Um, what was it like, you know? And which parts do you cherish the most? Coming to France and playing for Catalans, I, I really, I sort of, at the end of my time at the Warriors, it felt like a job. I wasn't enjoying playing footy. Mm. I wasn't enjoying training. And it felt like a, a bit of a job for me. Like, Yeah, you want to, so, yeah. No, I get that. At, at the end of that, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm going to give footy up or something. I'll come to France for a couple of months and see how I go there. And the first year in France, we played in the, um, it was the, the year before Catalans were coming into Super League. So we played in the French comp. Yep. Was that as Saint Estève? Yeah, Saint Estève. Yep. UTC it was back oh, then. Sorry. Yes, okay, so yep. Saint Estève. So um yep. 
we came in and we won the comp. We went through undefeated and I was wow. playing really good footy there in the French comp. And anyway, I just, I, I found the love of rugby league and I really enjoyed myself here. And then the lifestyle suited, suited me. And um, we had a good group here that were going into Super League the next year for the first time. And the French boys had never, ever been professional before as well. So to, to come in and help guide those guys from becoming amateur into semi-professional and then professional, it was a really good way to sort of finish and to come in and be a part of the Catalans' very first couple of seasons. It's something mm. that I'm really proud of being a part of, to see where they started at and where the Catalans are now. So yeah, really- well, I mean, they've got a Challenge Cup to their name um, and you yourself actually got to play for France. Um, how did that work? Obviously, because you're from Australia, was it like, what was the rulings there? Yeah, I played seven times for France. I played in 2007 against Papua New Guinea twice and against mm-hmm. New, Ze- New Zealand as well in Paris. So I'd, I'd lived back then. It was on residency, but oh, okay. I, got, I got married in 2007 to my wife, obviously, and she's French. Yep. So when I married my French wife, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have children one day. They're going to be French and Australian. And then when the opportunity to play for France came up, I thought, well, it'll be good for them to look at seeing their father play played represented represented the country so yeah and then um so after that i was still a little bit hesitant but i talked to a few of the senior french players because obviously i wanted to see what they thought on it and if they had have said no no if they had said no no you're not french sort of thing don't yeah yeah yeah. i I, I probably probably wouldn't have chased it up more but they were welcoming welcoming of it and they said no no yeah so it helped make my mind up and then um I'm very grateful to play for France and seven times played in the World Cup in Australia. And that was the wow. uh, sort of end of my, 2008, end of my uh, professional career. So playing for France in Australia was uh, a good That's way to That's kind of like, like the finish. sort of full circle, you know, finish your career in Australia, but in a World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah but also to play the Kiwis in Paris was a really great experience <laughs> as well. Um, we, we, nearly, we nearly beat them as well, which would have been historic for the French side at that time. Um, mm. They scored a... I think they scored in the last two minutes to beat us. So it was a really good game up there in Paris. And, yeah, to play the Kiwis, it was a great experience. Oh, wow. Well, also, you're doing some coaching these days. With I'm probably going to say it wrong, but Sporting Trezest Toulonnais, probably very wrong. but Toulon. No, that's it, yeah. Oh, they've changed their name to Toulon Marlins now. Oh, but just I, Toulon I, Marlins, I moved, okay. Yeah, I moved back to France at the end of 2019 and I was – came over to coach them in they're in elite two but then um i was there for six months but then the COVID happened and then the things didn't work out so i had to leave the club there um yeah so they haven't elite, elite two haven't started over here but so we end up moving back to Perpin and when i'm back with catalan dragons now so i coached the reserve side for the catalans oh wow that's awesome like so i'm that's... back i help i help out with the Catalan's um, Super League squad as well, and then yep. I coach their reserve young young guys. So we're a young team. We're coming second in the competition over here at the moment. So wow. there's myself and Greg Bird coaching yep. that side. I was going to say, how is Birdie making the transition? Because he's a, a recent retiree. How's he going yeah, with yeah. the transition from retirement to, you know, like regular like work-a-day life type stuff? Yeah, he's good. He's very knowledgeable. He's passionate. Um it's good, Bertie and I. We're both Aussie, but we do everything in French. So all our coaching's <laughs> in French. So yep. And the, the boys are they're they're willing. We've got a good group there. They're a young group. So 
hopefully our objective is to get a few of those guys to play Super League. And, Super League, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what our main objective is. It'd be good to win the, the competition, obviously, but our main objective is to develop those young French boys and get them ready for Super League. And in the two trials, the last two weeks, Catalans have had two trials and we've had about, I think, 10, 10 boys who have played in the trials. So oh, wow. Very rewarding and pleasing for us as coaches as well. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Um, switching to some fun, not footy, not career-related topics. How do you like your steak? Steak, medium rare. I'm I like to- it from Moringa Nam Pub. My father's got a pub in Toowoomba, Moringa mm-hmm. Nam Pub, and it's the best steaks, best steaks in the world. Well, if you ever, if anyone who's watching this is ever up in Toowoomba, way head to that pub and have steak from there. Um, from what I'm told about steaks, in particular in France, they don't let you ever have it anything more than like medium rare or like rare sort of thing? No, no medium rare is cook, cooked well done over here, but um, they'll have a blue, nearly blue, but I don't have a blue. Yeah. <laughs> medium nah. rare. I'm, I'm not a fan of the of the blue steak either. They also eat raw, raw meat as well, raw um, mints oh. with eggs on it. And, Jeez, okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I don't know if I could... Tart, if I could tart like it's like a mince, really fine mince, and then they put an egg in there and mm. yeah. Is it's it not nice? bad. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's all right. Just takes a bit of use to getting. Yeah, yeah, getting used to your hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, what's your current beer of choice? Beer of choice, um, Heineken or Cronenberg. Uh, uh, um, yeah, Heineken or Cronenberg. Yeah, nice. Um, during the COVID lockdown, well, lockdowns, you could say, because France and England have been, you know, in and out of multiple lockdowns. Uh, what uh, has been your Netflix binge or your Hulu binge sort of thing? Oh, we've seen Netflix. We've, ch- children are into, um, what are they into? The kids are always on Netflix. They bags it all the time. But yep. I, we have, we've watched some good series. I think Ozark was one of yeah, them. Yeah, that's a good one. We watched all the Ozark series. Um what else? I've watched all the um, what is it? The Viking series. And, yeah, that's an alright show. Yeah, and the La- Last Kingdom as well. I'm like them all. All that sort of Viking too, stuff. Yeah. yeah, they're a bit too gory for her though. But, yeah. <laughs> nah, I love that stuff. That's fair. Um, some some fun sort of questions, I guess, coming up about the about your career as well. Um, who was? What's the best um, sledge you've heard? Or whether it's been directed at you or whether you've just heard it in passing during your playing days. I don't know. I've heard um, some – had played in some good ones. PJ Marsh was always good at sledging. He was yep. funny. Sean, Sean Berrigan's another one. He's pretty good. There was a couple of guys in Toowoomba that I played with. They were probably the best the there best. But they were a bit okay. – yeah. They're a bit rude, some of them. But Well, um, there is there, – the only profanity limit here is – um, the C word. You can say F, you can say shit, you can say whatever, yeah. just no C words, but that's awesome. Um, who is the toughest opponent that you ever went up against in the NRL and the toughest opponent you went up against in the Super League? I think toughest com- opponent would, would be Pe- Pedro. He was always tough. He was um, he was a very good player, He's a clean player, but tough as they come. Hmm. I like the way he played too. Like he was tough without having to be dirty. So yeah, that's that's what I liked about him. And I thought he was good. Um, in the Super League, there was some good players from St. St. Helens and Bradford had some big, big players too. They had Leslie Vonicola. He played on the wing. I marked him a few times. He was massive. He was hard, but 
Bradford, Sean Tain Harpy was playing there. He was a good player for him. Um, and then w- Wigan, they had tra- Trent Barrett, but they had some good forwards there as well. So Sean O'Loughlin was playing. Andy Farrell, like I said, they had some good players there. So. Yeah, wow. Um, just trying to think of some questions. So there was the – I'm just trying to think of my regular ones. So there's the Netflix, beer, steak, sledge, toughest opponent. Um, which team, not just opponent individual, but team in particular, did you always either hate going up against or easily get up for, you know, in the NRL and in the Super League? When I was at the Warriors, we loved playing Broncos and we had success against the Broncos too. So we ended up every time more families would come to the games in Brisbane, but the support that the Warriors would get in Brisbane was enormous. We'd nearly outnumber the uh, Broncos supporters, which was unbelievable. So... It was a good game. I loved going there, and it was good to play at Suncorp or at ANZ Stadium back then, out at QE2 as well. So mm-hmm. to get the success against them that we had to and some memorable games as well. So it was uh, Broncos in the NRL was a great one. I always loved it. And then um, in Super League, I loved playing against Warrington Wolves. I don't know. Yeah. I just enjoyed playing, playing against them, and I scored lots of tries playing against them as well. So that's sort of game, <laughs> a team that I enjoyed playing against. Yep, well, because um, you always knew you were at least in for one try, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think my last game against Warrington was in a playoff game over in France and I scored four tries. It was oh. my second last game for Catalan. So wow. Well, I was, I'd scored hat-tricks against them and always scored against Warrington, so I love that. But teams I didn't enjoy playing were... yeah. Salford, Wakefield, I didn't enjoy going to their grounds as a player. <laughs> they were old English grounds mm. at Salford in the dressing room. You couldn't even stand up properly in the dressing room. You'd have to get dressed. Like um, huddled sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. And then um, I think in the NRL, Newcastle was a hard place because, again, you'd go to, to their uh, ground and every time you'd go in there, the, the roof would be leaking water. That <laughs> I don't know if they had someone to come in there and just hose out the uh, – whole dressing room, but the roof, you'd be getting dressed and there'd be water everywhere in the dressing room. So I think it was a tactic of them or something. I'm not sure, but <laughs> no. Oh, wow. Um, looking back on your career, who do you, which coach do you think had the biggest impact on you as a player? And who do you think now in hindsight as a coach had the, had the potential and, you know, things you carry with them that you learned as a player into your coaching? That, that's a... That's a good question, that one. It's a hard one, though, too. I was lucky that um, when I went to Broncos, Wayne Bennett was the coach there. No, they had Craig yeah. Bellamy there as well. He wasn't the coach, but he was there. And to see their work ethic straight away for a young guy was unbelievable. And then I was, I was coached there and by two, Ivan Ivan Henjak and then Steve Calder, who, who's passed away now, but they were two great coaches as well. And then at the Bulldogs, we had uh, Steve Folks, who... Yeah. And Billy Johnson was there. So, again, they weren't the same as the Broncos, but their qualities were different. But they were mentally – the training you did at the Bulldogs mentally broke you, mentally made you. So the mental aspect of that training was awesome for me and it carried out throughout my career. And then at the Warriors, Daniel Anderson, his attention to detail and attention to the individual skills was something that I think it helped me out enormously. And then at the Catalans, I was coached by Michael Potter, who was – a really, he's a good, really good bloke. He he uh, was a really good coach again for us over here at that time, and it wasn't an easy time for him, having to 
do half the coaching in French and half of it in English. So. Yeah, that wouldn't have been fun. But all, all those coaches, they had a massive impact on my career and the way I am now as well. So I'm, I'm grateful to be involved with some of the best coaches that have been around. Yeah, well, just look at Bellamy's record since becoming a head coach, you know. Holy wow. Yeah. You know, and Wayne Bennett and Daniel Anderson even. It's just, you know, stacked, stacked, um, you know, qualifications, you could say. And, you know, it just really backs it up. Um, which coach of the current modern era, you know, whether it's, you know, Trent Robinson or whomever, do you wish you were to have had the chance to be coached as, as a player back when you were playing? Trent Robinson, at the end of his playing career, he played over here at Toulouse. So he mm -hmm. was sort of his last year. We played him in the grand final in 2005 Toulouse. So he he didn't play that game. He was injured, but he was starting his coaching then. And you could see how intelligent he was already at that age. So, and um, just what, what he's done. And when he come back here to the Catalans and then he's progressed now to where he is. And I think he'd be someone awesome to be around, Trent Robinson. I reckon he's um, a modern-day coach that, that he's, he, he's in touch with his players, but he knows he knows the scientific approach. He knows the vision, the mental approach. So, Well, I mean, I you don't get two grand finals in a row if you're a, if you're a shit coach. <laughs> Let's put it that no, way. No, <laughs> no, definitely. definitely. He's... Um, He's, there's a lot more to Trent Robinson and he's in intellect as well. So I think he's, uh, and he, he understands that each player is different as well. They're not the same. So I think that's a good attribute to have as a coach, but he's um, getting the best out of those players and not for just a short time now as well for a long time. So I think that's a good sign for a coach as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess closing it out with two questions. The first one would be, who was your inspiration growing up as a kid? Inspiration. Um, obviously, my father is the first one. He's installed a lot of good ethics into um, me from a young age. So we sort of grew up around pubs and stuff. But he uh, made sure that we knew our uh, knew our um, knew how to respect people and the uh, good ethics that he installed in us, but also as footy players, I loved watching um, Alan Langer, obviously. He was good, a little guy. Um, a lot of people said that he wouldn't play. I remember his first state of origin, they didn't really want him. And then he's come out and to have the Done. career that Alan yeah. Langer had was <laughs> enormous. And especially for a little guy. And I'm, I was pretty small myself. So it's good to see that he installs that confidence that it doesn't matter what size you are. It's how, how much you want it. So I thought that was good. Yeah. Someone to look up to like him. No, that's awesome. Other than that, on the Sorry. field, I love watching Steve Renoff play as well. Oh, he, the just pearl. the movement of yeah. Steve Renoff. 100%. Last question is, what advice would you give to any, you know, youngsters who are hoping to make it in, you know, the big league one day? I reckon be around like-minded people. It's important to be around like-minded people. Um, you can got to make sacrifices, obviously, be prepared to make sacrifices, um, but just back yourself. Be confident in what you do. Back yourself and work hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's honestly about it. I'll...